fellow sports fans. Welcome. I'm excited for Welcome this. Welcome to Sports Middle, <laughs> where your favorite podcasters are surrounded by sports. I am John Warren, editor of large, edit, editor of large. I think it's hey, that's fine. Said. Uh, editor at large for fanby.com. With me, as always, is uh, editor in chief of fanby.com, Daniel Riondo. Hi, hello. I'm editor of sports. I guess. D- also, you are right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. You're editor of sports as well. <laughs> Uh, also joining us is guides editor, editor Dylan Skiffington. Hello, Dylan. Hi, John. I I heard that flub. You know, just just gonna say you almost flubbed it, but I'll take. No, it. I did. I, I, you know, I've flubbed. I've realized that about myself is that the past few days I've had to take like eight different takes of a couple of like news things that I've done, and just like I don't know if my brain is just uh, behind me these days. Yeah, but right. here we are. Um, lost in the time warp is Nikki Grayson, who, uh, it, you know, we lost, I mean, this ding dang time machine. It's <laughs> a weird ding. one. I thought it's I a had a handle one. on it. I, I realized that's how we left last week's show is I said, I think I've got a handle on it. And then right. here we are. Here I was p- losing poor Nikki. Is it because he wasn't born yet? I oh think it, <laughs> he was born in 1998. Are you sure? But yeah, yeah, he was he was a 96 baby. But uh, oh my god, he was two. I'm, I'm like not that far off. I don't know. You're not far Actually, off. Actually, no, you're not far off. Fuck. No, if At we least. go back any farther, then yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are exploring the halcyon days of 1998. Uh, more importantly, we're actually looking at the last dance. So this bo- this is both a fun time travel episode and also our look at the last dance in its entirety, the ESPN uh, documentary, uh, quote unquote, which we will also unpack a bit. Yeah. Um, it's a ten parter that aired on ESPN about the career of Michael Jordan, more specifically framed uh, with the last year of his tenure on the Chicago Bulls in 1998 as they went for their sixth championship in eight years. Um, we, I watched all 10 episodes, Danielle. You also watched all 10? Oh, yeah. With bated um, breath in excellent. between episodes. It, <laughs> yeah, I know. Same. And Dylan, did you catch all the way up or did you not quite get there? I got to like eight and a half. Okay. Uh, okay. See, which is good because a lot of my questions are from episodes, uh, the back half of episode nine and 10. So this <laughs> is good. <laughs> Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I think a lot, I think a lot of stuff actually, actually in a way, what was missing from episode 10 is something I want to talk about. So it doesn't really matter if you had seen it or not. So, um, I guess I want to start by asking, and we covered this ground a little bit, I don't know, five weeks ago or something, but, but what, what was everyone's experience with Michael Jordan growing up? Because I, I definitely have one. I can get into it, but I don't know about y'all's experiences with uh, with his airness. Dylan, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, there's not a ton of experience there because he retired in what 2001 was it? Yeah, it was. So I, was I think like it was 2003, eight. but yeah, I don't know. I was I wasn't that old. Yeah, um, so I don't have a ton of experience uh, short of like. Obviously, knowing the name, I can. I don't remember him playing at all. Obviously, uh, I did. I did learn while watching this uh, how old Air Jordans were. No, I had no idea the shoes were that old. Sorry. Just, oh <laughs> no really? Clue. Yeah, no clue. <laughs> um, 
Oh, wow. I also realized that uh, he's basically six years younger than my dad, which makes oh, everything make a lot more sense. Uh, oh. Because, like, I never watched him play. In, uh, he's ever. a lot younger than my dad. Yeah, yeah a like lot younger than my dad, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, like, I, I have no memories of him, like, actually playing. Um, it's all just basically watching this entire thing has been like, oh, this is, like, old like history old like that's not it's not too old but like i i think no i i and i and like honestly that's that's such an answer i wanted from from you because like this this was such a document of a lot of contemporary stuff for me or at least it felt contemporary contemporary so like it's really interesting to hear takeaways from someone who was like this this was so far in the past so Danielle, you are you are I, I think a year and a half my elder. Yes. Uh, what, February what are your of 1984, of, yeah. which is like not far into Michael Jordan's career, actually. No, it's not. No, I mean <laughs> that, that was his, that, that was his rookie year. Yeah. Was 84, and I was 85. It was 85 when I was born. Yeah. And so I really caught the kind of the 90s of same. his career. Yeah, very much um, same. Yeah. Uh, and, so I wasn't like. Here's the funny thing about me. I played I was playing basketball at this time. Like I, I was a starter in junior high as a seventh grader, and then everybody got a lot taller than me, so things got a lot harder for me to play basketball <laughs> as I like became a you know an older teenager and stopped playing basketball because I stopped growing just shy of five five. So that wasn't gonna go super well for me. <laughs> uh, right. but I mean I was obviously uh, a you know I was a forward when I was much younger, and then I was a point guard, and that's fine. And that's how that was going to go. But yeah, I, I played basketball. So, of course, I watched basketball and loved it and thought it was the coolest thing. Um, I didn't have the allegiance to a team that one would expect from a New England child. I um, liked the Celtics enough, but I didn't care that much. In fact, I distinctly remember... I'm sorry, this is a very old Danielle memory, but when Larry Bird was retiring... I distinctly remember my mother being annoyed with my father because he wouldn't shut up about it. And she was like making dinner or something. I was playing with my Legos. I was quite young at this point. And I remember her saying, Larry Bird, he is a bird. And that was it. That's what I knew about Larry Bird <laughs> at age 11 or whatever it was when he retired. But yeah, I watched a lot of basketball with my dad. We were more of a baseball watching family, but we still watched plenty of basketball. Uh, and I was like distinctly aware of Michael Jordan and the Bulls, maybe a little bit more through cultural osmosis than, you know, sitting there watching Bulls games or like wearing Bulls jerseys or anything like that. Right. But I caught plenty of games that he played in and it was always, always, always like there was an aura of invincibility around him. There was an aura of like, oh, everybody knows he's the best player in the game. Nobody would ever dare dispute it. And here's this guy who's godlike and he's playing. Right. Uh, and that's yeah. really most of what it was. As Again, I didn't grow up in Chicago. I'm sure it would have been very different if I grew up in Chicago at the time. I would have been in, I was in, sorry, uh, eighth grade, I guess, uh, in spring of 1998 when this all happened. So, yeah, fairly aware of what was going on in the world and liked basketball a whole hell of a lot. Uh, so, yeah, it was sort of an important and uh, it was like important, but... <sighs> That's not the background. Uh, it, it was like an important thing in the background of my life, the way a lot of things were like any cultural right. event, any historical event that was kind of going on at that time. I was aware of it, but not necessarily, you know, obsessed with it. 
I guess I've gathered information from this era in in two in two periods in my life. There is the the lived experience of seeing a a, a, a superstar athlete that's larger than life, uh, cultural transcendence kind of thing, and and kind of you know basically just existing as a kid, as a child, watching a superhero go to work, like yeah. is what it felt like, yeah, and. And so I got a very specific idea of Michael Jordan from there. And then and then as <laughs> as is the case and it seems that the, the time between the that first part and then this next part seems to be getting smaller as we go through <laughs> uh internet uh awareness but like th- there was a period of this kind of like you know was you know was he that good and then kind of endless debates about Michael Jordan after he retired and then obviously when you have a player like Kobe Bryant or, or LeBron. LeBron James yeah. probably more more importantly kind of come on the stage people want to create this kind of debate which doesn't you know it's fun to have but i think is ultimately meaningless yeah. um but like there were so there were basically two periods, and that second period was also full of a lot of like reporting from very you know like I think prominent journalists who were really digging into the context in which a lot of these things unfolded in the eighties and nineties with Michael Jordan's career, um, like his hiatus from basketball was weird. Like that's a weird yeah, and thing. I remember it happening. I remember my like yeah family members talking about it at like family events. Like, I was going to go play baseball. He's at some triple A team or whatever that, you know, it was like as a, as a somewhat baseball family, I think they were insulted. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. I mean, I think that's fair, but it's like that. That's that. So the information gathering for me for Michael Jordan basically happened as a lived experience when I did not have the brain, frankly, to like (laughs) understand any of the context. And then as this kind of like, Okay, I'm listening to a bunch of people who are trying to get their their two cents in, basically try to take a swipe at Michael Jordan, and some of it's legitimate, and some of it I think is is not legitimate. Yeah. But the Last Dance to me ultimately felt like a a response from Michael <laughs> Jordan to the second part of that information gathering of this kind of like, no, 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 I really was the transcendent superhero that you're remembering me as. Like that's. <laughs> That's kind of what the entire, quote, documentary was about. And I guess maybe I'll start there with this kind of question of like, hey, Danielle, was that a documentary? Uh, I mean, yes, it was a documentary, <laughs> but it was not a journalistic right. documentary. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was more of a reality. <laughs> it, it was more of a, you know, a, a puff piece, frankly, uh, a very well produced, I think, nostalgia heavy, fun and like wildly compelling puff piece but it was a puff piece it, it, it to be honest it's the anti headline that sports illustrated uh did when they when they did michael jordan so dirty uh <laughs> the the sort of insulting baseball headline uh it's like the the diametric opposite of that it is no he is he is godlike even if he was kind of an asshole which he does come off as being oh, a yeah. giant asshole for sure um yeah. which i which is framed in such a complimentary light though it was i was an asshole for good uh so it's it's not it's not a piece of journalism uh really okay uh or or if it's a piece of journalism it's a piece of journalism that has the sources approval on every shot which is not 
Right. <laughs> yeah. not, not, exactly. Not really journalism. Because yeah. <laughs> even when, he, when the other players are like dunking on him, he's like, he always gets a chance to respond and they never do. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that was definitely a glaring thing of when, um, like, I, like a really good early example in the documentary is, is they're, they're talking about Scottie Pippen, who is, uh, you know, Michael Jordan's kind of number number two on the Bulls, yeah. uh, a player who who genuinely is probably a top 20 all time player yeah. in his own right, but never, ever, ever got the spotlight except for a couple of years when Michael Jordan was not playing for the Bulls. And, um, you know, like his his situation was very complicated. He was being severely underpaid compared yeah. to basically everyone on the team and basically everyone in the league based on his talent and he he reacted in ways that you know by his own admission were maybe immature but then it seems like michael jordan and some other people said some things that might have taken that a step further which scotty pippen never really got had a chance to like respond to which like was disappointing because i'm like okay well you're making this this man out to be an extremely interesting person, a, a very important figure in this entire story, but you're also not really letting him have any authority over the story, which is uh, a theme, I would say, that was <laughs> yeah. continued like throughout the throughout the entire series. So, um, yeah, it was it was bizarre. Who who is maybe the secondary player, uh, and I I mean player in the broadest sense of a, who is the secondary person in this documentary that you were most uh intrigued by that they enjoyed listening to the most dylan you want to take it first yeah i mean well it's i i'd have to say scotty pippen for me um, yeah nice. just because i mean i i had heard the name again as someone who was like a toddler when all this started <laughs> um or i don't even know what what, what was uh, mj's first championship here was it 90 91 it's 91 okay yeah i wasn't born yet um oh my god so uh, <laughs> it's a name that I had heard, but I really had like no context around and just like listening to him like that resonates a lot. Just like knowing that he's underpaid, knowing that he's in someone's shadow. Like the more I heard about that, like the more I liked him. Yeah. Um, and he's so I mean, good. He's just yeah, he's yeah. so fucking good. He's and good. he's still and, in a shadow. Like, it's so wild. And yeah. he comes off like really like. Uh, fuck, I don't want to say wholesome. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dylan, we can't. We can't have the wholesome discourse Uh-oh. on this podcast. <laughs> um, no, no, that's but but I know what you're saying though. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, he comes off like really nice, and there are actually like a lot of people that they talk to that come off like now looking back at it, come off really well. I can't remember all of their names specifically. Who was the guy who always used to wear the goggles or whatever? Oh, that's Horace Grant. Yeah, like yeah. In modern day, he comes off really well, but even now, MJ is just like fuck that guy. Like, yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. he seems nice enough. Like, surely you could bury that hatchet by now. Um, but yeah, yeah. no, I, 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 it's it's mostly the people around MJ that I found more interesting than MJ himself. Like he was, like I get it. Like you like to play, you like to win. Like MJ's really predictable for the most part outside <laughs> of the I'm gonna take off. But even right. then, that, that made sense because, you know, like his dad died, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. 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 For sure. What about, what about you, Danielle? Did, did you enjoy any of the secondary figures in this in this saga? Oh, yeah. I have two in particular. One is yeah. Phil Jackson. Uh, oh, my gosh. Who I think is yeah. the real star mm-hmm. here. I think he's the real star <laughs> of the show. I think also, obviously, the fact that he did this again with the Lakers with different personalities and with more... Yeah. 
it might have even been more difficult because of having conflicting personalities where it seems like on the Bulls, everybody just knew Michael was the best. Everybody, and everybody just supported him, which I also find right. that's another point I want to talk about later. But uh, how Phil Jackson did magic with management is really incredible to me. And of course, it gave me like a deep love of Dennis Rodman, like a yeah. deep, deep like appreciation for him. And also, again, I was like a teenager at the time. I was watching bullshit with Carmen Electra at the time, you know, like when <laughs> I was 13 and 14, you know, like MTV's bullshit spring specials or whatever. I might be slightly <laughs> misremembering exactly where Carmen Electra comes in here, but I just knew of her and knew she was somebody I thought was cool when I was a teenager. Like, I knew Dennis Rodman did like a lot of drag. I knew he like had like these these wild like things that he did i knew he was kind of a bad boy but i didn't know he was puppy dog adorable which he <laughs> is he like throws himself out there so much in in play and in personality like for mj it's almost like he he is like his little I, like lieutenant his little like chief lieutenant on the court or wants to be so badly that he will do anything to do that so he's puppy dog adorable and also like all right, I'm sorry. This is my one time where I will say this, but he's so hot. He's just like unbelievably attractive and cute. And like, it's it's a lot. I, I like kind of fell in love a little bit with Dennis Rodman watching this. That's that's amazing. I mean, like, I, I, I think I think obviously Dennis Rodman is a complex figure because obviously he's got this. He, he's got a streak outside the basketball arena where yeah. you know he, he's got the north korea stuff he's got stuff in his he's, he's an imperfect in figure his, for sure he's I, an I imperfect figure and a complex figure yes and but i will say i think he's deeply deeply misunderstood and misrepresented yes. i think like i think historically he was seen by the media and this was obviously my my take on him too that he was just some weirdo who wasn't actually very good like, that's how, as a child, he was framed to me. The weird hair colors and the weird this. And what's this cross-dressing? Like, all these right. things that, like, now I think are wonderful. But at the time, yeah. it was like, what yeah. a weirdo. Yeah. No, I, I, I was, I was taught. Wait, what? I can imagine it back then. Just, yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember how things were in the early 2000s, and they were bad then. So I can imagine it in the 90s. Worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, they were they were, they were were bad. I mean, like, I was taught, I mean, taught by the media and parental figures in my life that he was to be feared and 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 rejected. Yeah. And and I, rem I remember that. I really remember the, the – it was one of the only figures that I can really recall that was – rejected in every possible way his his expressions of I, I you know this this might be giving it too much weight but it's like his expressions of like gender and things yeah. like that were you know were really complex and he was a successful black athlete and yeah. like he also showed up on a lot of different uh in a lot of different places besides my my nba on tv screen like <laughs> he was a cultural figure that put the work in to actually transcend the basketball game in a way that michael jordan didn't like michael jordan didn't really work to do that he yeah. was just so good that everyone in his life was like 
we're going to give you so much money and free publicity, essentially, that, you know, whatever. Yep. And you Robin don't have to really do anything but be that good. You don't have to work no. at it in mm. any other context. Yeah. Which is, you know, to be clear, a lot. I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> to, to, to be the best of all time, he obviously worked very hard at yes. that. But, like, you know, Robin, Robin basically put the work in to be a cultural phenomenon that was so reviled yeah. that... In hindsight, I'm I'm watching all of this. I had a lot of the same reactions you did, Danielle, of like looking at a lot of that with fresh eyes, going, you know, kind kind of in the same vein. And it's the only time that I'll say it too. Dude's hot and interesting. He's so and hot. Like, yeah, and like, and it was like I, I was like, man, like that guy was that guy was 25 years ahead of his time. Oh yeah, easily oh, is what it felt like. Yeah. Because if that dude came on my TV now and he showed up on AEW wrestling and he uh, dated uh, whatever the version of Carmen Electra is today and right. decided to basically like, <laughs> or just Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra yeah. seems fine. Just yeah. date Carmen Electra. Seems now. all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I, I think he would be a beloved figure. Sure. Um, so that was really interesting. And, and he was just so good at basketball and could you know in one of those early episodes you start talking about basically the physics of expecting where a rebound is going to go yeah. and i was like oh i could listen to this dude talk about that for uh, for 10 episodes yeah um so that you know i guess that kind of taught me that that aspect of this this show really showed me how bad the 90s media was at actually properly framing uh a narrative yeah. and i mean i guess i guess the media is still pretty fucking bad at that <laughs> honestly but yeah. like but that i was like okay well they did they did this guy dirty for basically a decade and that sucks yeah um anyway yeah i loved i loved i loved dennis rodman in this i also love the the stuff with steve kerr um, yeah he came off really well yeah He's the Warriors coach, and now he's he's kind of got a, in my opinion, he's got a Phil Jackson flair because he's dealt with a lot of big superstars before, and I'm sure he learned a lot of that from you know playing under Phil Jackson. Yeah, uh, I didn't know about his uh, dad. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, Dylan, because uh, I think that was maybe in the back half of that episode. Uh, uh, but his uh, Steve Kerr's dad was uh, murdered in uh, Beirut, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, he was like a and, dean at uh, American University uh, in yeah. London. Yeah. And uh, and that you know that was just a, a, a profound loss for him, and and something that was is really interesting. And <laughs> Steve Kerr was the one going back to kind of how Michael Jordan you know had the last word on a lot of stuff. Like Steve Kerr always seemed about two seconds away from saying like. Nothing is worth, uh, like nothing is worth Michael Jordan being this big of a shithead. Like I, I just kept feeling like Steve Kerr is the only one that was kind of like, you know, not really kind of buying into the idea that he needed to be bullied into playing well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but he never really quite said that. So I was like, ah, eh, I get it, but I, I, or it, or it I kept didn't show for up. Someone to, is the other thing yeah. he might have said it. Yeah. He literally Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He literally danced to the line though. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he literally comes all the way up to the line and just stops. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, I it's, knows it's that, that though, so. 
and yeah, and I and I think Steve Kerr is an interesting guy, interesting player, interesting coach, and uh, I enjoyed hearing a lot from him because he, he's a pretty honest guy too. He he's definitely in the vein of the Phil Jacksons and Greg Popoviches of the world. So that was uh, I, I enjoyed hearing a lot from him. Um, what was y'all's favorite kind of? I don't know, a weird story. Cause I definitely had a couple, but um, I don't know what's, what stood out to y'all. Dylan. I mean, for, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a specific example. Um, I mean, I, the white Sox stuff was obviously weird, but I, <laughs> <laughs> well, what about, what about it? What about it was weird because he, he went to the minors for the Chicago white Sox. He took, he took basically two years off of, uh, basketball or a year and a half off of basketball yeah. to 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 try baseball for various reasons, which we can also discuss. But what was what was interesting about his time at the White Sox minor leagues for you? Uh, I mean, it's a combination of things. It's just a whole bunch of stuff that I obviously had no clue because I didn't really follow. Like, if if you would ask me uh, how Michael Jordan's career had gone, I couldn't have told you that he took a he retired for like one season to go play baseball. Right. I couldn't have even told you that. Interesting. Um. So, I mean, just the fact that uh, obviously I had no idea it was related to basically his dad dying and then not feeling motivated and being tired. Uh, I think it's I, – w- I will say one thing the show has definitely given me is, again, uh, because Jordan controlled all this stuff, is they definitely paint their owner in a positive light. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, love painting billionaires in positive lights. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And how he basically just went from his – uh, NBA team to his MLB team and just like whatever like yeah that's the thing you can right. do I'll just keep paying you your NBA contract even though you're in the double A you know you're in you're in the minor league minor league <laughs> so which which the like second which brings level up of questions. minor league that's the weird thing about it what a weird level I mean I get it yeah. they they talk about it and everything but it's just it was funny to me because it was like this isn't triple A <laughs> and it's right. not single yeah. A like they just put them in like all right I guess this middle area is good. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's 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 a uh <laughs> it's definitely one of those things where, you know, it, it it gave me it gave me a little I mean, I already knew this insight, but it's like it, it did give I think the public maybe an idea of how the baseball farm system works because it's like you you generally have to work 5 years after you're drafted to maybe sniff a the main roster of an MLB team. Yeah. So it's really interesting that's like, oh, the greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah, they're kind of talking about it like he was so close, but it's like, ah, was he? You know, like was he so yeah. close to getting there? So I don't know. Yeah, I also, I also find myself wondering what would have happened if there wasn't an MLB lockout. Like, right? Because he he says like he he wasn't going to cross that picket line, and because they didn't play, he just ended up going back to basketball and hanging out with people, and then he got dragged back in. I kind yeah. of loved how that happened. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> he just like he just like I guess I'll go to practice like. It's just like such a funny <laughs> thing to me and like a thing I really understand too, just as a competitive person, I guess, or somebody who loves doing sporty things. Like I get it. Yeah. He always needed to be doing something sporty. Uh and this ties Betting into on coin flips. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Betting on that coin flip game. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Exactly. So weird. I I so think weird. like my entire thesis. I don't want to get too far ahead because I also have a, a favorite thing that ties into this. But my entire thesis is that I, I would fucking hate 
to be Michael Jordan because I think he has a genuine pathological like issue with being competitive and I can yeah. only imagine how fucking miserable he is that his body no longer performs on that level like I, I genuinely sympathize with him on that I think he was probably a pretty giant asshole but also that like I, I can imagine he wakes up every day and he's like fuck I can't do this thing that I am god in like that yeah. sucks actually like I, I really sympathize with that I really um genuinely feel for the guy on that level uh but yeah i wanted to say that my favorite uh sort of weird story has to do very much with this period of time but it's that kind of rebuilding phase so it's where he's filming space jam (laughs) and they build a like incredible gym for him and he just invites everyone from the nba to come play with him <laughs> so that he can up. get his basketball body back. And so he can, like, frankly, fucking snoop on who's good and who's gotten good, was, you know, it, while he's been away. Say, yeah, this, is, this, really was one of my, this was one of my favorite moments, too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it seems like a thing that what, shouldn't it, happen. Oh, go ahead, Dylan. I was just going to say, it seems like a thing that shouldn't happen. Like, people shouldn't right. be willing to give him that information, shouldn't be willing to help him. Yeah. But you got to no, play with I, the I, best. I, I mean, and that's one of the funniest things is that, you know, you really get a sense of how powerful he was because this just stuff. This was just given. I mean, you already alluded to it, but they, they built an entire facility for him to basically just practice basketball during Space Jam. Like lift weights in the morning and then play at night. Yeah. Like to, and to get better for to be a basketball star again. Yeah. And according to a few of the players that went to, to uh, you know, see him, he was basically doing you know, eight hour shoot days while also playing several pickup games every night. And yeah. it's just like, that's, that's nuts. Cause yeah. I mean, I've been on a set for, for 10 hours once, you know, a couple times. I'm just like, no, I'm done after that. And let alone not, I'm not going to go play basketball <laughs> for three hours. with NBA stars. Like yeah. <laughs> this wasn't yeah. with like junior high kids. It's just, like- it's just, it's just, he was just so immensely um, powerful in that way to just yeah. be able to say, get me all the NBA players. And, you know, it, it was just a given that they would just come out and play. And you're right. It's like, you know, why? It, it, I guess it shows maybe a level of respect that the entire league had for him is just because, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you, Dylan. Like, yeah, I'm going to come hang out with Michael Jordan and show you, show you my game outside of the NBA. Right. You know, like I'm going to come basically show you all the parts of my game when we're not playing and it's because, you know, uh, iron sharpens iron, iron, that kind of thing. And it's like, I don't know, it's very, it was, that was very interesting. And every player that talked about those games talked about them like they were the best games that they ever played. Yeah. And they were just in a fucking tent that Warner Brothers built, you know? <laughs> um, it's, so it's I, wild. I love it's absolutely wild. It was such a martial arts philosophy moment for me in this Mm, and like something mm. i really connected with with him like of course they're gonna want to spar of course they're gonna gonna come you know come to the other gym and and spar and all this other kind of crap like it just really made that like little connection in my brain uh which again uh made me kind of respect him even if i don't respect all of his methods or his attitudes like respect at least the hustle i suppose yeah um speaking of hustle i think that was maybe one of the things that I feel like there are three things in this in the series that 
he knew he couldn't hide. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so he was just kind of like, all right, I'm going to do my best to basically frame this in the best way possible. One is that he was an asshole, which yep. we've, we've talked yep. about. Um, uh, two is he, uh, he had a gambling problem. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which, like, I think that was also, like, maybe the funniest thing is just kind of, like, you know, I, I, I maybe maybe problem is a strong word because he definitely denied it. But, like, he he gambled on, it, it appeared to be everything except for basketball games. Yeah. Um, Which is probably why the rumors got started that he was betting on basketball and that's why he had to leave the NBA, which, like... I agree that there was a, a part in that in the the series that was it was brought up. Hey, did you actually leave for the major league baseball kind of thing because you were shadow banned for gambling? And uh, 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 Stern, the uh, David Stern, the uh, the commissioner at the yeah. time, uh, you know, he before he died, I guess he did these interviews. And he, you know, was like, hey, how could anyone keep this a secret for that long? And I agree with that. Yeah. Like, that's that seems impossible. But it also, like, that's the thing about Michael Jordan's career is that so many weird things would happen that a lot of these crazy stories seem plausible at the time. Um, but, yeah, he, like, bet on everything. He bet on like little coin games with his security detail, which was really fun because we, we got to see scenes of like them winning sometimes and they would do like the Michael Jordan gestures of like, yeah. of beating him, which was really funny. Um, and then I guess the third thing that like, he know, he knew he couldn't hide is that he held, he holds grudges yeah. in a way that like, I've never seen anyone hold grudges. Um, because there were four or five players that were interviewed in this thing that would, you know, show him up in a game or just say something completely random that uh, Michael Jordan held on to for sometimes years. And sometimes they didn't even say it, as was yeah. Yeah. the case. The crazy part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the crazy part is that there were a couple of instances where they basically did more digging. It was like, no, nah, I never said that. Or like Michael Jordan even said, yeah, I don't think he said that. But it's just something he that he made up. He invented a grudge. So that he would yeah. be more competitive against a player. Like, he invented yeah. a fucking grudge. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Wild. Have y'all ever Have y'all ever invented a grudge? <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't like being think. angry, it turns out. I gotta think. What? You, you have? I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I think I have. I feel I, like I, I, this I is I not have. out of character for me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, I've I've thought about it a lot since I since I've seen these episodes of these grudges. I'm like, I'm sure I've invented a grudge. <laughs> it's like, anyway, or like exaggerated something where I knew I exaggerated it or something. Yeah. Like I feel like I can't, I genuinely can't think of an example, and I don't think I've done this often. But it just feels like eh, that that seemed more humanizing than demonizing. So right, <laughs> what does that yeah. say about me? You know. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess I agreed with that too. I was like, I, <laughs> I just I, I was like, there was this one player, and I, I don't even remember all the details. I should have written I should have written those notes, but like, I, I there was one player, a, like a bat, like a, not a very good player on a different team, that showed him up at a random game in like the early '90s, I think, and he 
And he, you know, he basically invented the story about him saying something to him as he left the court. Yeah. And and then, you know, next time he saw him, he basically just you know, killed the guy on the court and, <laughs> and wouldn't let it go. But, like, there was something about that moment where Michael Jordan kind of admitted that he had to do, quote, whatever it took to basically get motivated to, like, to win. That, and this, this scared the shit out of me. I go... Oh, okay. Yeah, I get that. Yep. <laughs> I like I I like kind of understand that. Yeah. Um which is not great, but <laughs> yeah. I, I was, but but I was also like, you know, I don't know. There's something about like, hey, whatever it takes, I guess, to like get yourself motivated, but uh well, it definitely was like, um scary. <laughs> it it's it's somewhat scary, but it's also not like dirty. Uh I have right. like a very <laughs> As we found out last week when I got so mad about the thought of cheating and doping, uh, I have, like, a very strict, like, mental code of, like, what's okay and what's not okay in sports. Please go through it. I want to know. Well, it's not like a... Okay. Code is is almost, like, two... (laughs) Ten codes. Yeah, right? It's just, like, don't ever do anything dirty. Like, never... No low blows. Never never a moment of, like going for it when uh, when it's going to really hurt the other person. Because, like, sure. the sport I do, we're choking each other out. We're putting each other at the point of breaking limbs and, and tendons and things like that. Like, I very consciously, even in competition, when I have, like, sev- like just wicked <laughs> adrenaline spikes, like, right. I will be rough, but I will never, ever, ever, like go too far like i have just like a very 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 keen sense of like no i'm never gonna play dirty i don't give a fuck if it means i lose i don't care like and this while hilarious and maybe immature doesn't feel dirty it feels like all right this is a weird little thing you did and it maybe sucks a little but it doesn't feel like a low blow i don't think it's like a dirty tactic you're not doing something really shitty you're being like mildly shitty but I just have, like, a very, very honed sense of, like, what a low blow means, I suppose, is really what it is. I don't have an actual code. It's just never, never dishonor. It's such a Klingon fucking thing. It's, like, just never dishonor the competition. (laughs) Never dishonor your fellow Klingon, you know? I don't know. Yeah, it probably probably sucked for the guy at the time. It probably did. No harm, no foul, you know? Like, it's... Anyone that... Jordan set his sights on it probably sucked. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Is, yeah. You know, because the, the media is the media. Yeah. I, I I feel like maybe it's even a badge of honor to be part of uh, Jordan's, like, grudge Rolodex. Don't you think? <laughs> like, you know, like, it, these low-level players that sometimes got under his skin, it's like, I, a lot of those players, I, I, I have, like, a fairly a fairly good working knowledge of NBA players from like, you know, the mid eighties till now. Like I I do have one. Some of those players that had beef with Jordan, I don't remember at all. And, and, but their claim, their claim to fame is, is Michael Jordan had beef with me so bad that I I became part of his story. And I'm like, ah, you know, I'll take that as a win. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Also, because this isn't a combat sport. Like, yeah, that's true. Uh, obviously, you can certainly get hit play, hit or hurt playing basketball. I'm not trying to say sure. no. But this is not somebody who invented a grudge in his head and then pummeled your face in. It is he beat you in the game of basketball. Again, a physical game, you could be hurt. But it is not, I now have life-threatening brain damage because this man got mad at me. 
I, I guess that's part right. of what makes it feel less horrible to me, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, any, any other like major takeaways from this before I kind of get into a lot of stuff happened in episode 10 that I, I want to talk about and, and some stuff that's missing that I want to talk about, but anything from the, the lead up to kind of the end of this, that, that stood out to y'all. Uh, there I mean, is um, a couple of, uh, there are a couple of small things, uh, yeah. kind of who was chosen to do interviews on him mm. was interesting. I, it is interesting that Obama shows up. Mm-hmm. Chica- uh, ex ex Chicago resident. Exactly. Uh, like who uh, had some thoughts? That was the best part. This is like Chicago resident. <laughs> like, oh, all right. That's who um, he's going as. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like he's introduced in such a way where he's like, God, it's such a tiny framing thing, but these things stick in my head so well of like he's like adjusting in his seat. Like, oh, what a regular guy, Chicago resident adjusting in his seat. You know, he's not like <laughs> sitting there super stiff. He's like looking kind of chill for a second. Like, all right, let's go. And it's this very like weirdly heartwarming type of, of literal framing, you know, like with with the camera. And, and like, that's the shot is him kind of adjusting his seat, like getting ready to go. Uh, they did the same thing with Kobe. They do the same exact thing mm. with Kobe, who is like. He's not adjusting in his seat, but he like sits down. He like walks into frame, I think, and like kind of sits down. It's like, all right, we got Kobe Bryant. It's this like moment of like we have gathered all stars of both basketball and culture and politics and they're they're just hanging out. They're hanging out for this. I thought that was kind of cool in a way, pretty nakedly, transparently, you know, what what they were going for there. But I didn't mind it. I, I, I found that like kind of charming in a way. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. What What about you, Free You, Dylan? I mean, on my end, uh, more than anything, it was me. At like every five seconds, I was pausing the damn video to look up like statistics and shit, <laughs> just to try to get context on like when things are happening and when he had good years and when he had bad years. Um, and I think like more than anything, um, because it's really hard to compare players. Obviously, they say he's like one of the best of all times. And I mean, if you look at his record, I mean, it is. Um, but I do think it's interesting to like compare him, uh, compare his career averages to people that are playing now. Um, right. Even like even with like Kobe and stuff, like Michael Jordan averaged like thirty points a game. I mean, obviously, uh, he had so much determination that he could will his team to win, like that kind of stuff. But like some of the best players now are averaging twenty five points a game. Like they're they're still they're putting up semi comparable numbers like a little like a little bit worse but uh, i think just like realizing that like numbers wise really wasn't really wasn't what set him apart it was just like his effect of being himself and being so competitive and being so um willing to like like we just said do whatever whatever the hell it takes although i do know that numbers aren't everything because i mean look at pippen like pippen's numbers are like sub 20 points a game Right. But clearly one of the best. He was just had to deal with someone who was the central focus for six fucking years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I guess I guess maybe that's the and you kind of you kind of hit the nail on the head of like, you know, how how we actually compare players. Uh, And and it is kind of apples oranges. Like, I, I think, like, looking up those statistics is valuable to understand kind of uh you know how how a player's career 
how a player's career uh, ended up and and who shaped it. I mean, when you look at a, a player like LeBron, LeBron James, like he arguably never really had the Scottie Pippen for most of his career until he went to Miami and played with a player named Dwayne Wade, who was putting up similar numbers and things like that. And so then, then you kind of got to see the shape of, of LeBron James when he would play with like a a really good player, but like LeBron is going to play in a way that is less selfish than Michael Jordan, because I don't know. I don't know why, but he plays less selfishly. He has higher assist numbers and stuff like that. And a lot has been made about, like, well, who played with Jordan? Were his supporting cast ever really that good? A lot of people say no. Um, I I tend to agree, honestly, that, like, while Scottie Pippen was maybe one of the, the best players of all time that never really got his due, I don't know how many, like, exceptional players actually ever played with Jordan. Um, Rodman was great, but he was also past his prime when he went to Chicago. So like it's really championships. Like I think that's yeah. really it is if you win six championships, like like Tom Brady, I hate this guy. I, I can't believe I'm going to talk about Tom Brady. But like Tom Brady is not going to own every statistical record in the NFL when he retires. He won't. Like Drew Brees is going to have more passing yards. Like you know, a lot a lot of players are going to eventually pass that guy. In, in statistics now he's run up an incredible career and he owns a lot of records but i don't think those records are going to stand but what, what will stand is how many super bowls tom brady has won yeah and and that is something that like may not ever be passed and when you look at records that might never be broken in modern eras six championships in eight years for one nba player is like is fucking incomprehensible to me it is. I mean, I was looking at the numbers, and I think, like, the only people, um, there's only, like, five players that have won more than, like, three or four championships since 2000. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's, like, Kobe uh, and some other people, and then one guy who retired in, like, 2004 that I have no idea who his name is. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, you also, I, I remember you looked this up on Twitter. Um, you were also pointing out how, how many dynasties there have been in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, it's like, because uh, it's funny as someone again who's so young comparatively. Like, uh, so the Celtics have been like fine, you know, like whatever. Like they won. <laughs> I don't know how many years ago it was. Sometime yeah, they were really decade. good when you were quite young. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, were, they were they were good, but then they were like they just like won eleven championships in the sixties and seventies. Like that's just the right. thing that they did. And then I remember actually one thing I will point out is. Uh, I remember they were talking. Uh, I don't know if it was Jordan or someone from the Bulls was talking about how back-to-back championships are rare. Yeah, and this was back in extremely like, rare. Yeah, ninety-two. Uh, but I, I did think it was funny that like twenty years before that, the Celtics just won eleven in a row or whatever. Yeah, right. And then <laughs> uh, actually, the previous four years were back-to-back. Like it was, I don't know, I don't know if it was the Lakers or whoever the hell it was. There was the, the two years before the Bulls won three in a row. There were two back-to-back winners and then yeah. after that it became the norm like there's just people always winning back-to-back or winning three or winning four right um not always there, you know. there have been a lot of dynasties and you're right like i i think there are a lot of players now even that will end up with three or four championships before they retire which is still you know a really 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 incredible 
uh, number to have, but like, you know, one championship is incredible. Like when you think about the level of competition that's in, it, that's in the NBA or any major sports league, like that's that's an incredible accomplishment. But it, it's there's something about showing up in those big moments and winning six championships that is just um it's it's flabbergasting yeah i think i think part of it also is just like because he retired yeah he he missed the season which they didn't do well in well they did fine in and then he came back halfway in a season where they weren't doing well and managed to get them back in playoffs right and then after that the next three full seasons they're champions again just the, mm-hmm. the fact that the second he left, they got worse. And then when he came back, they were champions three times in a row again. Yeah. I think that definitely helps like elevate it in the like world's eyes. Yeah. Like they, they just credit to him because clearly they weren't good enough to win without him. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. And I, I agree with that. I mean, I, it's just clear that they weren't, which is, which is why the gap between, you know, who is considered the best of all time and who is like a great player is, is sometimes, uh, like exponential like you really don't get you really don't understand like how good the best are um until you kind of remove them from the equation and you're like oh wow okay this they obviously contribute a ton to this team so um yeah to me it's like an endurance event um right winning the championship is not statistics it's it's i know this is such a corny thing to say but i do i do mean like mental toughness and like team cohesion like a lot of those intangibles are so so crucial in making it through a championship season and then beating the best of the best at the very end in like a grueling grueling series it's like a gauntlet uh Mm -hmm. so running through that gauntlet is better you need to have so much more than just fast legs right to to kind of do that kind of thing yeah i think it's definitely interesting as someone who I guess I, you know, grew up watching NASCAR and then now hockey or whatever. And both of those sports, winning is just so incredibly hard. Yeah. There's so much, you know, randomness that goes into it. It's weird to see, to, to be like watching and try to understand a sport where if you have two or three good people, they can just will a victory. Like the, the other team could do nothing. If if those three people are on their game, it's just over. Like that's just how yeah. it works. It's wild, yeah. It's, it's just really strange to see that from, you know, in hockey, you need so much you know, puck luck, even the best shooters are lucky to, you know, land like 15, 20% of their shots. Like that's like yeah. astounding. If you score on 20% of your shots in a game, like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and same with like NASCAR where like fucking anything could happen to ruin your day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like weather conditions, right. Or, mm-hmm. or anything. Or yeah. Someone else wrecking you or just like literally yeah. <laughs> anything, a park coming off, you know, whereas, yeah. whereas in basketball, it's just like, you know, if if you're on your game, there's nothing they can really do. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think another point that that all make that you you brought it you you kind of reminded me of when you're talking about hitting twenty percent of your shots in hockey is the game has changed in the NBA where the three point shot was uh, has been around for a long time, but um, I think even when Jordan was kind of in the in the height of his career, even toward the end of it. That was reserved for basically specialists, you know, who would basically shoot the three as part of their game. And you might have a few of them on your team that are good at this. Whereas the modern NBA is if you don't shoot the three, you're you're fucked. Like yeah. <laughs> you're you're basically looking at teams whose makeup is all of our players can shoot threes. Big European 
players, uh, players in coming out of college who might be seven feet, seven foot one, like even in the American system, they're being taught to shoot threes. And so a lot of the scoring statistics, you know, in terms of like average points and stuff are getting so blown out of proportion now because there are a few players that just, you know, jack up threes all the time. Like Damien, uh, like Damon Lillard, um, uh, James Harden, like Steph Curry, like a lot of these players just jack up a lot of threes and, and boost their numbers. And, you know, Michael Jordan was not a three shooter. Like he could shoot the three, but that wasn't his game. Yeah. And, and so like a lot of his work was kind of grinded out kind of work. Um, and, and I do think that came through in, in the show where, you know, a lot of his highlights, obviously they showed all the dunks and, and, and stuff, but like the tough layups, like the, the grinded out play his his games against the Detroit Pistons where, uh, you know, they're so physical on defense and he had to kind of overcome that. Like a lot of that is kind of missing from the modern game, which maybe tells you how impressive some of his, his feats were. So that's one of those things where you're looking at, at point scoring, especially uh, from era to era. And you really see differences. I mean, like Will Chamberlain, 20 years, you know, 20, 30 years before, uh, not 30 years, about 20 years before Michael Jordan came on the scene, Will Chamberlain scoring, you know, uh, 60 points a game, like, you yeah. know, uh, having 28 rebounds because the game is just really different. So it's uh, it's a bit different. But like, yeah, like that's one of those big differences between when Jordan was playing and now is that like I think a lot of players are spacing the floor and not actually playing as physical defense as as you were seeing in the 80s and 90s. So Can I ask about that? Um, yeah. Is that a product? This is my very limited understanding because, again, this kind of happened in the time where I was watching a bit but not watching much NBA. Yeah. Is that kind of a Golden State Warriors thing? Like during their their big run, you know, six, seven years ago where they just seem to be doing more with threes? Or am I just kind of misunderstanding that? No, I mean, I mean, like, I think I think the idea that you can win if you just put a ton of floor spacing shooters on the on the mm. team like I think that was that that was proven by Steve Kerr and gotcha. the Warriors, but I think it it had been happening for a while. I think uh, uh, not to not not to blow the Dallas Mavericks horn too much, but like <laughs> like Dirk Nowitzki was doing a lot to do that. The guy was seven feet tall. Yeah. He came out of Germany. Everyone thought he was going to be this very immobile kind of big that was playing maybe center power forward. But he was a dude that could space the floor, shoot fadeaway jumpers, shoot threes. Like he kind of put the idea in folks' head that, hey, if you put more people on the floor who can hit jump shots and not just have to rely on getting close to the basket, maybe that's a that's a way to win. I think the Warriors definitely like showed showed everyone the blueprint. I think they we were working up toward that, but in terms of like winning championships, like yeah, that did a lot, gotcha. I think. Gotcha. To uh to prove that that's a, a viable way. Um and they're hurting now. Like they you know, they they lost Kevin Durant to free agency and then two of their players got hurt, and before the, the league stopped, you know, their best shooters are basically hurt, and you you saw it. Like if they don't have a ton of other talent, if they can't really get to the basket, if they can't really be physical. Um, they're not very good. So, yeah. you know, there's a risk reward to that. Like if your yeah. shooters are healthy 
it can be super dangerous. And if they're if they're not, then you're you're dealing with a lot of liabilities. Where I think someone like Jordan was really the ultimate well-rounded player. Yeah. Um, you know, someone who could shoot the three, but was also just a, a grinded out kind of player. So, yeah, that's that's a bit of more of a recent phenomenon. But like the 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 jump shooting style has kind of gotten more in vogue over the past like decade. Gotcha. So, Thank you. Yeah. I want to talk really briefly before we, we sign off about, it. I think the thing that was really missing from this documentary is uh, at, at the very end of it, I really expected them to maybe at least touch on uh, Michael Jordan's post bulls career. Yeah. Instead they just, in, they ended it on this thing that was just, uh, yeah, he retired from the Bulls, and that was it. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right? Y'all can, y'all can close the chapter on this if you want, and that's fine. But what really happened is he took some time off, and then he came back and played for the Washington Wizards for another couple of years and, you know, was um, a frustrated kind of shell of himself. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. And that I don't think is what Michael Jordan wants his career legacy to be. And and I, you know, I think like there's no way that that is ever going to be his legacy. The, these two years where he was playing for a team that wasn't the Bulls, that wasn't very good and he wasn't very happy. Um, but I did think it was odd that they didn't even show that at all. Yeah, there were a few things missing. Um, yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Did it, did it seem weird to anybody else? And also, like, it, if I missed it, I missed it. But did LeBron not show up at all? I don't think yeah, so. LeBron wasn't in this. Yeah, it, which seems a little weird to me. You know, Kobe's in it. Uh, every other, like, comedian you've ever heard of is at least has, like, a moment, even if it's from their cell phone. Like, it just seemed weird to me because a lot of people compare him. I, I Again, I, you know, it just... It just seemed a little odd. Maybe he didn't want to. He's probably of the level of celebrity with the NBA that he doesn't have to do shit if he doesn't want to, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. But that seemed a bit odd. The other thing that was missing for me, yeah, uh, that I just it just seemed a little weird. Uh, so Michael Jordan's mother is is in it uh, multiple times. There's a lot of like people oh, in these guys' I know lives. What you're say. <laughs> His wife. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> never shows. There's one moment where. I forget exactly what happens, but you know, the first thing off the court, somebody gives him a phone is like, "Do you want to, do you want to call your wife, Michael?" And he, and he does. And like the kids show up for ten seconds in like the last episode, and they were like, "Oh, we didn't go there," you know, like during a, a very very like heated championship. Like it's bizarre to me that there's no like mention of a person who must be like a major supporting force <laughs> and a stabilizing force in this guy's life you know with this this whole thing is about his life right yeah. and we go into his childhood we go into a lot of the sadness about his dad being killed which was a really traumatic event that he seems like he just kind of pushed away uh emotionally he's like let me see the positive in it let me see the positive in it and it's like right dude, your dad was fucking murdered. It's okay to be sad. Like, it's, yeah. it's, and maybe that's just how he dealt with it. Like, I'm not, I'm not in any position to judge how somebody mourns, but it goes into some deeply personal stuff, but never that, never, uh, you know, his own family dynamic, which I thought yeah. was, right. I, it's fine that it didn't. I'm not saying, oh, it's a bad piece because it didn't, but it just seemed a little odd. 
Uh, to yeah, me, I, I don't know, I don't and maybe he they... just wanted to hang out with the, with the old men in his security detail because he does say that a lot. That he wants the old men, like he wants the old guys <laughs> to tell him what to do. And I thought that was great, so whatever. But it just seemed just a little odd for something that otherwise goes so into his personal life and like what he's feeling at every moment and and that kind of thing. I don't even think they mention her name once. Yeah, it's just they you want to call your wife. wife. The, That's it. Yeah, my wife, my <laughs> her wife name. Her name is Juanita Vinoy. Sure. Um, they divorced in 2006. Is that why? Maybe that's why. Okay. Um, she filed for divorce in 2002, which was in the middle of Jordan's kind of comeback to the Wizards. Ah, okay. Um, I'm going to guess that, uh, so, uh, just so you know, I I guess this is publicly available information. Uh, Juanita received almost $200 million in a divorce settlement. Okay. Um, which is which, probably not a lot for him. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Is that is that the bulk of of Jordan's estate? I, I have no idea. Um, But yeah, that's the that's probably why. Out. All right. Well, there's a there's an answer. for That's me. probably <laughs> why. And, yeah. and I don't like I have no real context for it uh, other than Michael Jordan's current wife is a Cuban-American model. Uh, named Yvette Prieto. Um, and yeah, he never talks about them. Uh, okay. They have twin daughters together. Oh, all right. But that's just, I guess his life is very private now. Which, which I seems, respect and understand. It just seemed weird that it went so it far into weird. early life stuff and then not, I don't know, if, if you're a spouse, yeah, I feel right. like that's. Okay, there are ways in which, deal. obviously, we- yes, you probably have a lot of resources and money. There's probably some ways in which it's emotionally difficult to be married to an NBA star. <laughs> that's yeah. that's all yeah. I have is just like, that, like, she probably had to, to do some things. Like, she probably had to, like, deal with some shit, so. Yeah, and considering we, we basically heard about, like, every other part of his life, like, I don't even know yeah. when he got married during all that. When did he get married? Who knows? Right. Like, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> when did this dude get married? <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's all kind of unclear, and I guess, I, you know, yeah, anything I could say now would be speculative, but yeah, uh, they they divorced, and there's just basically no information. I, I did think that was odd, too, Danielle, just yeah. kind of references to wife and blah, 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 but right. no, no, like, no indication that, you know, uh, she was ever really a part of his development as a, a player and a person which is is odd you it's know little, um, it seems a like little shitty animals. i'm just gonna say that that like yeah i, I think it's a little I, shitty i i think that spouses of pro athletes do go through a lot because it's you know yeah i know they're overcompensated for sure they get paid probably too much however it is also an incredibly personal and wildly pressure-filled job that probably affects your spouse a lot like it probably yep. affects you a lot if you're married to uh you know a, especially a star but any player who could get hurt and lose their career at any second kind of thing you right know? so that's all yeah. i'm just gonna say that emotional labor was worth maybe a little bit but i i get that yeah okay she might not want to been involved and that's fair too so. <laughs> that's fine yeah <laughs> Um, the other part of that that you mentioned is lebron james not showing up like i don't know if he was interviewed for this um yeah. And I think like, you know, again, again, I, I don't I don't feel as bad speculating about this because sure. it's not about Jordan's private life, but sure. I'll speculate a little bit here and just say, 
I think there is so much discourse around who is better, and I do think LeBron James probably believes he is the best, best <laughs> probably, player of all time. Yeah. Like, I believe he probably believes that. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he could hide that. I think Kobe. By the way, Kobe was he was in this, but he was in it for about five minutes. Yeah, not yeah. very long. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there, there are a few reasons there. I mean, like Kobe really only began his career as as Jordan was ending it. Yeah. But um, uh, and LeBron James wasn't even really in the league until uh, Jordan left uh, it, during his second tenure. So like uh, or I guess his third tenure yeah, in the right? league. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if he was asked to do it because I do think there is this kind of unspoken um there's obviously respect but i also think like you know jordan's not gonna give any ground to the idea that he's not the best of all time yeah um and i don't know if lebron would either like i don't know if like you know lebron might be more gracious about it but i don't know if he's gonna you know uh make the rounds in this kind of interview setting and say like oh no he was the best um but it's like I still think it's odd. Like you know, he yeah. wore twenty three. He wears Jordans, like or he did before he started his own line. Um, like it's just a thing where, yeah, I mean, he's obviously really influenced LeBron James's career. I kind of expected maybe something from him. LeBron also, by the way, was one of those vocal people who was telling ESPN to go ahead and rush this uh, thing out because it was supposed to come out in August. I think. Oh, okay. And LeBron was like, hey, we're all at home and we're bored to shit and there's no NBA. <laughs> like, yeah. do something about it. And they did. And I don't know if that was marketing bullshit or what, but, like, he he did say that on Twitter. He kind of called them out. He he apparently made the rounds asking ESPN to release this, and they did. So, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I did think it was odd. I I I get why Jordan didn't want the note, you know, the 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 end of this documentary to be, hey, I spent two years with the Washington Wizards and didn't make the playoffs and basically averaged, you know, like forty percent of what I normally did. Um, I get that, but it's also still a part of his career, and yeah. it's also the only time I ever saw Michael Jordan uh, live was when he was playing for the Wizards. Oh, so, cool. um, yeah, I mean, I have fond memories of seeing him. Uh, against the Mavs, like you know, I, 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 he wasn't the same player that he was as, sure. uh, you know, in the early '90s, uh, even late '90s. But like he was still, you know, one of the best. So, um, I, I thought it was kind of odd, but I also, I guess, I get it. Like he doesn't want to acknowledge the weakness in his life, which, you know, when you're that powerful, I guess you can afford to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, history is written by the victors, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I I enjoyed this. Uh, what did it? Uh, Danielle, I think you also enjoyed it immensely. I loved it. I really yeah. loved it, and I knew the whole fucking time this is such a puff piece. Like, I know this is such a nostalgia trip. This is such a fucking what this man's ego could not be contained like in the space from here to the moon. And like that normally really annoys me, <laughs> but yeah. like at least this guy had the goods. <laughs> right. Uh, and at least we have a wildly entertaining piece of nineties pop culture as well. Like there's so many amazing songs in this and, and like 
bits or, and pieces of what you know what the 90s were kind of like and and not all that is good and thank god i was too young to understand a lot of how bad the 90s were in a lot of ways especially politically um <laughs> and especially for <laughs> queer people i mean like that's the thing it always comes down to for me is like i'm like oh yeah i was 14 and i i didn't even know i was queer yet and thank fucking god because it wasn't a great time for that um yeah but like Oh, God. For me, in my exact age, it was like a really fun nostalgia trip uh, to look at this. And again, like a lot of it for (laughs) I guess speaks as well to me. But like the management feelings I felt watching Phil Jackson just out coach the shit out of that team and a team that was made of like difficult personalities that somehow worked really well together. And I don't know if it was like Michael Jordan was that much of the alpha dog that like people really did just fall in line or there was something else. Were there other incentives? Was it just that like, okay, this guy's an asshole, but if we really, really back him with all our might and all our strength, we're going to get six championship rings. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, I do wonder how they were incentivized. Now, as I understand it again, slightly more limited knowledge here, but like with the Lakers, it was a different story because we had, multiple kind of superstars there and and they didn't necessarily get along very well but they still i the common factor there of course is is phil jackson right like he is able to get these performances and to get this team cohesion and they go into like some of his like meditation and hippie stuff which is a little bit fun (laughs) and i i kind of enjoyed that i like that Uh, yeah Yeah. i kind of enjoyed that a lot and he just seems like both a fucking coach who can yell at you but also really knows what people need and is able to see yeah. what people need to perform. And like there are aspects of me as like a, a little team leader that, that wants to understand that and wants to like, I fucking want a 10 part Phil Jackson documentary. I'm not lying. Like I would love yeah, to see like, how did you deal with like these issues and how did you make this work? And you're so fucking good at this that like, yeah, that was, that was a real treat for me in this. Yeah, I think I, I I totally agree, Danielle. Like from a from a management perspective, <laughs> I really enjoyed actually watching Phil Jackson deal with this. And and you hit the nail on the head. Like I meant to kind of bring it up when uh, uh, when we were discussing Dennis Rodman, but yeah, like yeah. Phil Jackson just knows what his players need, and yeah. they know what he knows what they need, and he never really took out his frustrations on Dennis Rodman he would sometimes say yeah this is in an excused absence and blah 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 but always kind of knew that he would come back refreshed and ready to go and like having trust in your players and giving them kind of the space that they need while also kind of still being a really effective leader is uh pretty cool it's I would inspiring. also watch two episodes of that yeah <laughs> yeah so look Dennis uh, yeah, just I, had to go to Vegas and it's fine and everything mm-hmm. ended up fine <laughs> yeah i mean uh, danielle i didn't mention this but dylan a couple times a year has to just steal away to vegas like really randomly yeah, that's and fine. um that's fine as long as you come few... back dylan and you write those animal crossing guys it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i would love i would love that we should we should make a a, a fiction series of <laughs> Dylan's Vegas benders, and then he comes back and just writes like the most banger, like Animal Crossing piece, you know? Um, that'd be very good. That'd be great. Uh, but uh, yeah, this was the last dance. Any parting words for 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 us, Dylan? Any parting thoughts? Uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I definitely, um, I understand why they jumped around so much. Uh, yeah, 
but as yeah. someone who was not alive for the start of it and <laughs> too young for the rest of it, I do kind of wish they went a bit more chronologically. Yeah, I, I understand get that. they had to. Um, I think my favorite episodes were the ones that were uh, focused on Rodman and um, Pippin, just like the, the character episodes, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I definitely would have preferred they didn't jump around so much because they're just like, yeah, it's 93 and then it's 98. And so much, so much of the middle of the series, um, gets into, this is how this series played. And they're just like jumping through games. Oh, we won game one. We won game two, but then we lost three games. Yeah. And then we came <laughs> right. It yeah. It doesn't really mean but, all that much to me. Yeah. You know? I, I was, I, I think maybe there is some symmetry they were trying to get with 10 episodes where I kind of. I kind of did an inventory in my head and I was like, ah, this could have been seven or eight, probably, you know, like yeah. not, not to nitpick, but it's like, I agree with you, Dylan. There are some parts where it was just like, you know, when you really look back at some of these series that they spent half an episode talking about, um, they weren't really that close or like that interesting. Like even the stuff they were filling in behind the scenes was not that, not that fascinating. So like there were, there were holes in this where I feel like they had to pull uh, pull everything out a bit to get to ten episodes, but um, for the most part, I I still definitely really enjoyed yeah. it. So, um, yeah, but yeah uh, if you want to check it out, uh, ESPN Plus is I think your the way to go. Uh, if you got a Hulu, uh, if you got a fancy Hulu subscription like I do, you can still check that out. Um, but it's uh, ten episodes. Uh, they're going to make one of these about Tom Brady, which I think is a mistake. <laughs> um, not that he's not an incredible athlete, but I just don't know how interesting he is. But then again, I, I have to be honest. I don't know how interesting Michael Jordan is. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the takeaway from this. You know, there's like, going to be like 10 episodes on Gronk if, if they do this fucking Tom <laughs> yo, Brady shit. Yo, soy la fiesta. Oh, <laughs> God. Please, no. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> look what we're in for, everybody. And you know we're all gonna fucking watch it. That's the problem. Yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> we're all gonna sure, goddamn watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it. I mean, yeah. but but I do think a lot has been made about like, hey, like just because someone is successful doesn't mean they're interesting. I agree with that. Yeah. But I would counter with saying like, I I really I don't know how. By the letter of the law, I don't know how interesting Michael Jordan actually is. He's very yeah. good. But I don't know how individually interesting he is. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think he's just a very good athlete who uh, is supernaturally determined to prove people wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's impressive. But, you know, without all that supporting cast, I don't know how interesting it was. And I don't know how interesting Tom Brady's supporting cast is. And you might be right. Gronk might be all over that thing because he might be the only one that gives good sound bites in Frankly. that entire thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh it'll be interesting to see. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we will uh be back to discuss that whenever it airs, I'm gonna guess in a year or two. Um but uh yeah, I don't know where we're time tra I don't know where Nikki is. I don't know yeah, if we, we lost him in the Nikki. time warp. Yeah. We have to go find him, but uh we will be back next week. Um, uh, when Danielle, where can we find you online? You can find me online at Danielle R.I. on Twitter. Uh, Dylan, where can we find you online? Uh, same place on Twitter, at Skiffington underscore. <laughs> I thought you were saying same place. Yeah, just uh, yeah, just find me through Danielle. You can find me on Danielle's Twitter, Twitter account. Yeah. 
<laughs> just let let, let her know let her know if anyone needs you yeah. um you can find me at floppy adult you can also find us at fanbyte media on twitter you can find us at fanbyte on instagram tiktok and facebook um you can find all of our podcasts at fanbyte.com slash podcast you are currently listening to the fan fight feed uh if you like our shows here which you should uh, there's a lot of cool wrestling content and MMA content and sports content. It's a very good feed. Yeah. Uh, there's also the Fanbyte FM feed, which is, uh, you know what? I've stopped saying short stuff. It's now just staff bullshit. Yeah, staff bullshit. I, uh, we might even rename the feed staff bullshit. Staff I don't think bullshit. I, I don't think Apple will like that, but maybe that's what we should do. <laughs> but it's 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 news updates. It's like up to minute discussion. Uh, Rin, our intern Rin and Nikki and I had a, I think a very good discussion. I think, I think the situation is complex, but if you go into it with an open mind, I think you'll enjoy the conversation we had yesterday about the death of E3, yeah. uh, on West coast office hours. So you should check that out. Uh, also the fan with feed has our flagship podcast fan with, uh, we posted another episode of that yesterday, uh, which is always very good. Um, yeah. and yeah. Uh, Danielle, you want to take us out? Yeah, I'm going to take us out by hitting a rewind button uh, seven times and then fast forward twice. So I'm going to go sports.